This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, it would be a wolf's fun, eh? Good evening, everybody. Matt Guy here, joined by Gully and Stu. Much like Wolves, we have left it a little late this evening. So apologies for that, but we are here to discuss the 2-2 draw with Franchise FC Chelsea. Um, gentlemen, how are we feeling this evening? Are we a little happier um, than we were after the Brighton shellacking? Yeah, um, content, I think is the word. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, I think it's impossible to not feel a bit better uh, after that shit show, to be honest. like yeah. Surely a, a draw away at the European Champions is uh, an improvement on what we saw at well, to Brighton. You absolutely think that. Um, firstly, a bit of um, housekeeping. We are here. Um, thank you to Pixel Yeti Media and to 90min.com. So we appreciate their support. And thank you to everybody that is tuning in um, live as well as listening to this um, in podcast format, if you do have any comments throughout, drop them in and we'll try and get them uh, read out as we go along as well. So, gentlemen, um, before we go into the lineup, I wanted to mention who wasn't playing. I just wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on something. Um, Pedence wasn't playing yesterday. Um, and from what I understand and what has been has been put out there, he has kind of been given the option to play. Um, he could go and have injections to play through an injury, has chosen not to. Is there anything to be read into that? Or is that just a case of a player looking after their own well-being at a point in the season where, you know, he doesn't want to risk an injury to to hamper his start to next season? Gully, is there anything in that? Is that a standard practice, do you think? Yeah, I, I think this sort of stuff goes on a hell of a lot more than than we think. We kind of covered this in the, in the preview show, to be fair, but it's it's ultimately his body. Um, I go back to last season when he picked up an injury, kind of second half of the season, and you know it, we were disappointed to not have him available for a while. And when he came back, he looked like he was probably rushed back, and he was he was terrible. He was genuinely awful. He had a bit of a truncated start to this season, but when he came back fully fit and firing, you know we've seen the best of him. So if it is the case that if he was to play under, you know, medical kind of conditions and and a little bit of a caveat, if we're not going to see the best of Daniel Prudence, then he's not even half the player of what we need him to be. So mm. I'd rather he probably look after himself. And you know, let's be fair, especially with the way results have gone today, we're not in with the shout anymore this season. So I'd rather mm. he recuperate and, and be ready for the start of next season at this point. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. We're well, moving on to the uh, to the playing lineup then for the game. Um, we've obviously Jimenez has come back into the side um, along with Johnny. Uh, he's come back into the side also. Pedro Neto starts as well. Stu, from your point of view, when you saw this lineup, um, what were your thoughts? Did you think did it matter at this point? Did you think we were onto a hiding no matter who we put out, or were you um, were you encouraged by what you saw from the team sheet? I was amazed that Eight Nuri played. Um, I was convinced that Marcel had returned. In some form mm-hmm. or other, after what happened against Brighton, and, and he seems to have been the uh, the whipping boy a lot of the times this season. Whenever anything remotely has gone wrong for him, um, the rest it's kind of been it's been such a much of a muchness of nonsense and rubbish for the last month that this is probably the the least excited I've got our team lineup. I mean, I checked it at two minutes past two. I mean, normally you kind of you refreshing five minutes before and getting all ready and excited, but it got to the stage where. I thought, well, they're all as bad as each other. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Um, but so when we saw that, that comes up and it's like, well, where's Dendonka going to play this week? That's kind of what was mm-hmm. my thought process behind it. And for the first 50 minutes, I still wasn't sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was, again, good to see Neto get a start after what's happened to him. And you think, well, Neto and Jimenez might get, Something like Raul and uh, Jota used to have, 
maybe that's going to happen. But again, I was I wasn't excited. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Gully, from your point of view, and obviously hindsight is twenty uh, twenty. What changes would you have made? What would your lineup have looked like? Would it have been any different to what we actually got on the day? It's it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, I'm just having kind of read through that. I think your Patricio, Doherty, and Jota away from the team that drew one all at Chelsea, um, back in that first season, back in the Premier League, um, with that ridiculous goal where they were one two in all the way up the pitch and and whatnot, and we got done in the last minute by Hazard. But yeah, it, it just goes to kind of highlight how little we've uh, we've, we've changed the team, doesn't it? But yeah, it just as as Stu kind of alluded to, it was quite underwhelming. Um, it was the safe option, the experienced eleven, and after all the talk of Brighton, you know, being a bit of a watershed moment and potentially throwing in some new faces into the team, yeah, it was just a bit like, okay, same old shit, and uh, we'll see how we get on. Thankfully, Chelsea have been pretty crap recently, so maybe we might still pull a result out of the bag, but nothing to get excited about now. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the game started, um, uh, you could see from the off that it was going to be a game, actually, where Chelsea were going to let us have chances, but at the same time, as the game went on, some defensively, we started to look a little shaky. What, do you, what did you think of kind of the, the opening salvo, the opening 10, 15 minutes? Stu, you, you're obviously in the ground. Did you uh, were you thinking you what what beer can I get in the next fifteen minutes or, or what were you you know how was the game panning out for you at that moment in time? Well, other than the first two minutes, I was in the ground. Um, the traffic in London was ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. to be fair, we were in we were down there at half ten and we still missed kickoff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it didn't look encouraging, did it? It was almost like a, oh no, there's going to be there's no out here, there's no out ball. Everything, every time we get the ball, we're gonna. There's no option, there's no passing, right? Everything was just as stale as it has been. And I thought, well, what, you've literally had a week to sort yourselves out, and nothing mm-hmm. has changed at all. And I know we've we've done it quite a few times over the, over the years when we've soaked up a lot of pressure, but there's always been an out ball. And in that first, maybe the first 10 15 minutes, there, never, there didn't seem to be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the talk after the Brighton game wasn't necessarily about ability, footballing ability. It was about heart and passion and desire. What did you get from 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 the start of the game, Gully? Did you see some of the warning signs that we had of a bit of an abject, a bit of um, demotivated Wolves? How did you kind of, with that in the back of your mind, how did you think that we started the game? But- I mean, at halftime, I tweeted saying the game was almost like a game of walking football. It was just <laughs> just off the pace. You know, there was uh, a little kind of ambling around going on. Uh, even Chelsea weren't really injecting anything into the game to suggest that they were going to overwhelm us in any way. You know, Timo Werner was making his runs as he usually does without really threatening. He pulled one save out of Saar, I think, early on. But it was just one of those games somebody needed to kind of grab by the scruff of the neck and do something with, but we haven't mm. really got the team to do that, uh, to kind of shake it up. But it, it it felt like a follow-on from the Brighton game in the sense that everything was a bit tentative. Nobody was really sure of themselves. But I, I mean, I go back to Thomas Tuchel's first game um, when they played us at their place last season. And the first thing he did straight away, after having beaten Chelsea earlier in that season at Molyneux, was stop teams playing, stop teams mm-hmm. getting out, and you felt there was a vulnerability there. So I feel like things have gone a little bit sideways for them compared to that that stage, um, and maybe his coaching is wearing off a little bit. But it just didn't look; it wasn't an enjoyable game at that point for sure. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't without its drama, I suppose, in the first half at least. Um, we'll bring in our own Peter Walton, Stu Hall here. Um, <laughs> a couple of the chances oh, that's, that... Yeah, that's the, that's the best one you, you, we've come up with, actually. Peter Walton. You know, you know that bloke that nobody really wants to hear from? Is, is that <laughs> yeah. And here he, here he is. I'm going on the beer machine again. Yeah, the nation. Well, obviously, there was, a, there, was, um, there was two contentious uh, decisions in the first half that both fell in Wolves' favour. One um, offside decision, which is... is well, it's clearly offside. No, no issues there. But the disallowed goal where Sace's 
dramatically fell to the ground as he's lost his man. Where you know, objectively, Stu, what were your thoughts on that when you saw it? Did you get a good view of it yourself from your, your seat in the ground and watching it the highlights since? What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was right in front of us. Um, at the time, I thought, well, that's a foul, mm. but then at the back of your mind, you think, well, it's Chelsea against us, so it's probably not going to be given as a foul because mm-hmm. we've got we told that we've been accustomed to getting the raw end of things with these kind of situations and these decisions mm-hmm. against big, well, big six air quote sides. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the offside was the biggest problem is with that first half was how long things took. Yeah, it took ages, didn't it? I mean, the, the offside was blatantly offside anyway, straight away with a naked eye from behind the goal. You could see that it was offside and it took about four minutes, I think. Well, the, thing, like the thing was, they, they, they checked two offsides in that phase. And they didn't need to, in you know, because it, it's the the second offside was so offside, they didn't <laughs> need to spend so much time on the first one. I don't know if there's a sequence of these things that they've got to do it in a chronological order, but it, it, I mean, it must have felt like an eternity in the ground, much less watching it on some nefarious street. Yeah, I mean, it, you had Blake standing next to me. I mean, to be fair to him, he had two bottles of old speckled in, gluten free, obviously, but he still had two. To be fair to him, and he had. Um, is that could go he, for Blake? Is that what you suggested? Well, we've said this before, but he's on the record was when he had he went point for point with me at Reading in the championship, and then was sick on the couch wheel. Um, <laughs> and he's never drunk that much again. But yeah, two point two two points or two bottles is very good going for Blake. Um, yeah, he he was enraged. He started chanting "fuck VAR" and everything, and <laughs> what he's taking us so long and all this kind of thing, but. It was just astonishing. Just, we're just standing around because I think we've said all year that this is, well, the last few years, this is the problem with it. Mm-hmm. No issue with the technology at all, but it's the fact that we've got morons using it, which I don't know. I, obviously, that's the first time I've heard this about they were checking two offsides, which is baffling. You check the you check the one that led to the goal first, because then if yeah. that's fine, then you check the one before if, the, if that was mm-hmm. an issue. It doesn't make any sense, that one. But yeah, yeah. the fell was... Say, I mean... It, it looks worse on when I watch match of the day this morning. It looks worse on telly than at the time. It looked like a genuine push, more than a, a slip and an exaggeration. Um, so in real time, I had no issue with it. But yeah, it looks he's got away with one. Let's put it that mm. way. There was another. There was another kind of unhighlighted um, decision. Well it, well, it wasn't a decision, and that was the problem really. And that was Aspilicueta not seeing red. Um, I said at the time, and then uh, then in the group chat, it, um, Dan had mentioned it as well, that uh, Aspilicueta was already on a yellow when he's checked his man with his elbow for the first yellow. And then he stops. I can't remember who he brings down, but he just brings him down like with no attempt on the ball enduring an attacking phase of play. And nothing's nothing's done about it. I mean, should more have been made about this? Or is this some kind of, you know, you've worn a tin foil hat in your time, Stu. Is this a, a top six bias or what's going on? So we would have had a player sent off, wouldn't we? It's it's not even bias. It's it's it just happens all the time. I think and you you see it in pretty much every game. I mean, it it was a yellow card, but the fact that he was already on a yellow, it would have been. It's one of them where you always see every time, unless it's a goal scoring opportunity. If they're already mm. already on the yellow and they do something like that, they they get a little telling off. So don't do that again. Yeah. You, you, next one you're off. So I was, again, I wasn't surprised, but the, mm. it's weird. The, the yellow card, as much as it obviously being a caution, almost becomes a get out of jail free card for the next tackle mm. to a certain mm. extent. And I think that's what he kind of saved him. The other thing I think was, from what I remember, I think it was just before I knew his chance, where basically Neto loses the ball because mm-hmm. he's pulled back. Volley then picks it up and plays Aitnuri in. So because the phase has moved on, there's basically a chance to score. I wonder if that. Distracted the referee a little bit as well. Maybe just uh, a strange one. Listen, I'm all up for the. um, I'm all up for making you know, keeping the game and 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 not ruining the occasion. If there's a neutral in these scenarios, but when it's against your team, you absolutely you know, it's just one of those things, I guess. But moving like as the game progressed, we go into half time. um, We we come out the blocks, and then all of a sudden, wow, things fall apart quickly so quickly um and unfortunately there was one man to blame um and that is <laughs> silly sace um 
where do we really go with this now? Since he's come back from the African Cup of Nations, he hasn't seemed like the same player and a, a kind of a multitude of errors really throughout the game that could have cost us a defeat and we, you know, we we snatched a draw out the jaws of a defeat, to be fair. Um, Gully, from your point of view, how frustrating is this for you, bearing in mind how crucial he was for our really excellent defensive stats prior to him going to AFCON? Yeah, it's, it's quite sad to see to an extent because you, you do feel like he's on his way out now. And mm-hmm. whilst we've we've constantly called for an upgrade on him, he still kind of manfully, you know, made his way and and like you say, had a bit of a renaissance this season. He's he's been really really good, part of a really good defensive setup, and I still think he has qualities that nobody else in the team can really replace with this distribution from the back, which has also fallen off a cliff in the last few games. To be fair, but mm. might have a bit to do with what's in front of him. I just think this this situation is he's known to do rash things. Uh, I think back to you know behind closed doors games, um, Man City at home. I think last season he he dives in and gives away a penalty early doors, and you're just like, you mate, you've just you've just kind of you know they don't need any more help <laughs> than than the mm. one they're already gonna kind of achieve in the game. And with this one, I just thought if you're gonna try and run the ball out of play. Make sure it's not someone like Lukaku who's going to be challenging you because mm. he's a pretty big lad. He might just muscle you off the ball. That's what ends up happening, and he just panics then, doesn't he? Once he's on the on the ground. But it's not even it's not even a a veiled attempt at a tackle, is it? It's 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 just it's just awful. I mean, mm. Stuart, it must bore your piss to to see this and and be a constant thorn in our side when actually we were holding on, you know, defensively, we, we, we get, we gave some chances away, of course, but we were still in the game. And then, and then something that isn't um, a mistake. This is like a conscious decision for him to kind of kick out at him to try and essentially rectify his own error. It's, it's just, it's just not good enough. Is it? No. I mean, I've got tablets to stop the, the piss balling anyway. But it's almost like we need tablets for to get rid of Sage now because it's gone too far. I mean, you you can list them off like the like Palace where he got himself sent off for no reason at all away, mm. um, things like that. And, and he's through his whole Wolves career, he's, he's had patches like even when he was in midfield, he'd have game, he'd have months where he was superb, and then mm-hmm. he'd have he'd have something mad had happened, and then he'd, he'd go for weeks and weeks being shit, and then he'd get replaced. And it was it's like a cycle of madness that I don't know where it, why it happens. But yeah, Toti got dropped for no reason at all when he was playing well, just to bring him back. And ever since, he's been awful. And there was people genuinely around saying, this is never a penalty and all this kind of rubbish, as, as you expect. Um, but again, Blake looked at, looked at me and said, that, that'll be pulled back. And of course it will. He just kicked him for no reason. <laughs> and then when they when they showed it on the screen, I mean, half, it was half and half of people said, okay, fair enough. And then the rest said, Oh, we never touched him. It that didn't lead to him falling over and all this. Well, come on, you can only defend players for a certain amount of time, and mm-hmm. it's not like he's a kid, is it? He's what thirty-one now, maybe. Um, yeah, it just ridiculous, ridiculous decision. He was. <laughs> it was almost like I mean, he got lucky earlier in the first half, like we already mentioned, and. He, it was almost like he was waiting to do something in that game. Yeah. Like something, something mad was going to happen to him. Like you just, like the, when we used to have that bet every week, there with about um, and the accumulators booking says every week, and it, I think we, some of us made a, a bit of a, a bit of a killing off that for those certain seasons. But because he's he's got that madness in him, and it, for a long part of the first half of the season, it was gone. But since he's come back, it's been back with a vengeance and. Love that comment just on the screen. I do think he he probably has played his last. I hope he has played his last game for Wolves because now, like Gully said, we've got nothing to play for now. Just give give, give Toti a run if or go to a back four, which either way he's not going to be a part of. So mm. it's been a brilliant servant, fair play, two hundred plus games. But now it's time to say goodbye. Unfortunately, just the way it is. Yeah, I mean the sentiment, the sentimentality in football, but at the same time, it just feels like the right the right time now doesn't it let's be honest and I, i'm not here to 
question the character of the man, but there's depending on who you believe, you know, the contract situation is asking for money that is in the top earn of the club territory, depending on if you believe it or not. And when you consider the options and, and, and what we're trying to achieve as a club, I just don't think, I can't see us coming to any kind of agreement that keeps him at the club and, 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 and wanting to stay and, and expanding on the project the project. I hate that term, but, um, there we go. And then let's not forget, he, you know, he caught, he gave away the foul that um, caused the free kick that ended up with that offside goal as well. It wasn't like a singular occurrence with that penalty either. So it's one of those. But if that penalty was a tragedy, then the next goal for Chelsea was a comedy, a comedy of errors, <laughs> if anything, because good God, we don't make it easy for ourselves. Was it two minutes later, I think? Um, I mean, fair play to Lukaku. It was a stunning finish from him, but we can't. After I mean, golly, you concede. What do you do? You just you just hunker down. You don't do anything stupid, and you ride out the next five to ten minutes, don't you? Or do you? I don't know. Um, and we just and we concede after another two minutes. It's got to be it's got to be one of the most frustrating things when you've still got a foothold in the game to concede a goal like that. What were your thoughts on the on the second goal for Chelsea? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the most annoying thing for me about it is the fact that Chelsea weren't really that good. And, you know, we, we kind of allowed him to get into a 2-0 lead. You know, make these teams work hard for their... Especially, they've got enough quality as it is. You know, and, and notorious we are for making it difficult for really good teams to actually get into the game and get into a lead and create chances. And it's just so not us. You know, as much as we want to be free-flowing, attacking and, and all that, our absolute comfort blanket is just being hard to beat. Mm. And then you see shit like that happen, and it just really disappoints you. And I mean, the the, the I've, I've had it going through my head all week. Yeah, we are we've been no bollocks FC, haven't we? Like in recent weeks, and we we lost them in that moment because we've gone one 0 down. We're probably feeling a bit sorry for ourselves. You know, there's a, a stupid moment between Cody and Neves. I, I don't really know who's to blame there, to be honest, because clearly Cody's looking for Dendonka with that pass, but. A bit of communication goes awry. Great finish, like you say. And you know, guess what? Good players will punish you if you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, give, give them chances. But ultimately, you've got to be so disappointed with yourselves at that moment. It's just, ugh. and it felt like another, you know, Brighton moment where it's just like, oh, this is going to go on to be three or four now. At that time, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I yeah. think, for, like I say, for me, I think it's. I mean, why is Cody blasted it so hard in that in that, that situation? I mean, because he was trying to get it past him, though. Was he wasn't trying to pass it to Neves, was he? So it, it was just it was just mad. Why he was he could see someone in the way. He's trying to be overly clever for who knows why. And you could see when as soon as he went in, he didn't like start ranting and raving at anyone like Casper Schmeichel style. He fully took the blame himself. But yeah, I think. It was just a fuck up body, basically. It was. It was. Um, Wayne here is, you know, players make mistakes, they're only human. We feel bad. Sure, players feel worse when their mistake leads to a goal. Um, I mean, we're going to discuss in the second half um, of, of this show the fight back. But there was an interesting video that came out of the players um, getting onto the bus prior to the game. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter. And some of the, some of the replies were absolutely hilarious from... From um, Wolves Twitter, basically saying, "Look like you're up for it, lads." This, this, and I was like, "Well, you can't." I mean, the players can't do right for doing wrong, can they? Really, if it's all joking and they're doing handstands onto the coach, they're not being taken seriously enough. If they've got their heads down and they're focused, they're not taking it seriously enough, and they're not up for it. I do feel in, you know, th- these are people as well as much as high, higher paid as they are. That shouldn't really factor into it. Um, and we will talk about the mentality of the team in the second half. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw that. Some of the replies were were, were quite golden on a on a Wolves Twitter level. It was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I, I I really thought they should have been channeling their kind of inner Gerard Butler, you know, this is Sparta, <laughs> you know, as they're entering the coach, you know, probably what twenty four hours before they even kick, kick off, like just literally imagine them like smashing the bus up before the game or something, just to really make them feel like, look, we're not angry with each other. There's no bust ups at training. This is. Well, this is how we just take our frustrations out and we're now going to take it out on Chelsea. But, <laughs> I mean, they probably had the most boring bus journey, you know, known to man 
in prospect down into fucking central London or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know what people expected them. But let's yeah. do any any ideas? <laughs> you you can if they're not, if they're not coming out blood sacrificing each other, wearing their own vials yeah. of each other's blood around their necks, and they're, they're not show they're not bleeding for the cause. And fuck them off. Yeah, it's I hadn't seen that, but it, nothing surprises me anymore at all. <laughs> um, so just a couple of lower low highlights uh, performance wise. Um, Jimenez again, you know, invisible really on the pitch. Um, well, what do you do? What do you do? Is it a case that now we just ride the season out? You know, we talked, you talked earlier about giving Gomez um, a run out. Is it a case just to give Silva the rest of the season? Because Jimenez, not for want of trying, I don't think, but it's just, it's just not happening for him, is it, Stuart, at the minute? Well, it is for the ones of trying because he doesn't do anything at all. And when he, when he gets the ball and he runs, he runs with it, he falls over to try and win a free kick. Mm. But he, his confidence is completely shot. But again, rightly or wrongly, you can kind of put the blame on him as well now because he's had. It's not like he's just come back. He's had a whole season, and mm. he's played like this for Mexico as well. It's not just for us, and because we don't create anything anyway, he's played like this for his for his own country, and mm-hmm. he's just not the same player anymore. We just got to accept that that's what it is. He's he had a horrific injury. This happens to people. Very mm. rare people come back from something this horrific to be the same person, well, the same player. You can't blame him for doing all his, his like pimping of his, the merchandise and the sponsorship stuff that he does <laughs> on Insta. I mean, fair enough, he's got to make a book somewhere, but he's not. He's not making enough money as it is. is no, exactly. Too. He's got to. He, he knows his time's coming to an end, so he's, he's getting his dollar while he can. But it's he's not good enough anymore. Mm. He's had a whole year. He's yeah. had a whole season, and let's let's be honest, he was back. The, toward, he was back. Uh, well, yeah, over a year ago, he had more than a preseason, more than anyone else to get fit, to get up to speed, and yet that takes away the heading. But it doesn't take away his feet. His feet are still there. You can understand him mm. not going for things with his head. Fine, completely understandable. But to not put the effort in elsewhere, unforgivable for me. And I think. Price put the stats about his his game on in the group chat as well, and he's just he's a hindrance more than anything else. Mm. And what do you do? Do you give him? Do you give? I thought, oh, we'll give him a preseason where now he's wearing a thong with an eye patch on the side of his head. Now that that, that might help him. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what he needs. But is that going to help him in preseason with his with his feet? Because that's the problem. He doesn't he doesn't score with his feet, and he doesn't look like he's in the right positions. Everything about his game is wrong. Well, if it was me, I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd get rid now. In the summer, just again, it's been great parting in the ways while we, we while we can get something for him. And I think it might have just gone stale for him as well. He might just need a change. And I know that won't because of well, what he brings yeah. to the club. Let me let me ask football. him. Let me ask now. Monetary wise, you know, we're not gonna. He, if, if if this was ebbing and flowing like the stock market, his value is pretty low at the moment. You know as a player not that you know compared to other periods in his Wolves career but Gully with the all the signs point that we're going to play at four at the back next season are you interested at all in seeing what Jimenez can do at a four in the back formation which tends to mean you have more of an attacking presence and more service behind you is it worth keeping him on to see if we can get anything out of him in a different formation I, I, look, I, I try not to be one for outlandish statements, but he, look, for a start, I don't think he's he's done. I don't think he's done at the club. I don't think he's totally finished. But right at this moment in time, I don't want him anywhere near the team. If he's in the team, I don't want him anywhere near the ball. If he gets the ball, I, don't, I want him to do the most simple thing possible and just give it to another gold share because at the moment, he's failing to do that even. And the common denominator... For our two goals at the weekend was that Raul was nowhere near getting involved in either of them. Mm. And genuinely, in the first half, especially, I think, and Brighton was was an absolute you know embarrassment of performance from him. He we're playing with 10. We're, we are playing with 10 right now. He is so bad. Whenever he receives it, he's losing the ball. When he's looking for a teammate, he's not finding them. It's just 
absolutely, you know, write the rest of the season off, Raul, because I ain't being funny. You've got a, you've had a newborn child. Go and spend some time with them. Like just, just you know, have your first, have a bit of paternity leave. Happy days. You know, honestly, I wish you all the best in bringing him up. Uh, you know, in the early parts of his life. But right now, the team just does not work with you in it. He had no right to replace Fabio in the Brighton game at mm-hmm. time. Absolutely no right whatsoever. And I'm disappointed in Bruno for making that decision. But when Fabio receives the ball, he's a much more cohesive footballer than Raul Jimenez right now. Whether you think he's going to score a goal or not, I don't care. He's a better player in transition, in possession, working for the team. And that's it, period, at this moment in time. And people have seen it now as well. And when when Fabio Silva started, he came down the touchline to warm up in that first half. He got the biggest cheer of the of well, up until the last twenty minutes, the biggest cheer of the game, and chanting his name. And that's with nothing. I mean, obviously, on the pitch was nothing was happening anyway, regardless. But people know what he's. People with a brain can see what Fabio Silva brings to the team. And the fact that the kid is super talented and he just needs a break and he's still 19 years old and look what he's showing. It's just, and others are giving him spare minutes, sparing his minutes and whatever. It doesn't matter now. It's, it's like you said, he, he does, he does everything that Raul doesn't do, but Raul doesn't get the stick because he's what he's mm. done for us. It's the whole, Oh, look where we come from bollocks again, but it kind of smashed down into one player, but just cause he, he was good. 18 months ago and before doesn't mean you can't criticize him now. I and mean, that might be something in it. Just give him, just give him time off now, give him an extended holiday because it's not happening for him at all. Is it? And it is, it is mm. like you said, it's a detriment to the team. Absolutely. Well, listen, like a Phoenix rised out of the ashes, we managed to scrape um, a draw out of this game, which we're going to discuss in the second half. We are going to take a very short break just to allow you to refresh, reset, and uh, get a quick drink in if you need one. So um, we will see you after the break where we will discuss the goals and have a little preview of our next fixture and Twitter corner as well. See you shortly. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question or opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, Veil a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk. Hi everybody, welcome back to Wolves Fancast. Um, what I want to talk about now is the change at 70 minutes, 70, 71 minutes, when um, hunger and desire kicked in seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, we, we end up pushing the game, we're pushing Chelsea. It was all one-way traffic at this point. Um, and Trincao scores an a, an unreal goal, really. What a beautiful finish it was. Um one thing, though, that I think is probably frustrating more than anything is he's obviously got this in his locker, but has he, A, been given the time to show it, and B, has he been guilty of just not showing it enough? Gully, your thoughts on Trincao? First of all, his goal and you know what he offers to the team. I think there's a, there's a bigger, wider kind of picture here, just because the substitutions that ended up happening, um, I think Sace was umming and ahhing about coming off for a while, wasn't he? But ultimately, that was what triggered the formation change that really mm-hmm. started to bring us back into the game. Um, Johnny kind of tucked in slightly right setter off, right back. Chiquinho played quite high with, with Trincao kind of filtering out to that side as well. And I think what what we've learnt and what probably most people could have seen you know, for a while is that when you get players around Trincao and you don't isolate him to go and try and take on one, two, three men at a time, you know, there's probably a player in there. There's players to bounce off, one, two's happening, and just other players around that can distract, you know, defenders to allow him to kind of work his magic a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking about the goals specifically, you know, Chiquinho finds him. He then makes a run outside um, Trincao as he's drifting in towards the, the centre of the pitch. 
takes the defender away. Trincao finds that yard of space. Lovely strike. I mean, to be fair, he's he's shown it a little bit. He's had a few decent attempts at goal um, throughout the season, but the situation itself hasn't happened often enough because not not just because of Trincao being a little bit of a, a flannel, to be honest. If you're being really fair, um, Stu, don't raise your eyebrow at me. He's soft <laughs> as shit, um, but. Also because you know, he hasn't got the support around him to create angles, spaces, bounce off with the teammates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, a little bit of conviction in his play as a result led to a goal. What a finish it was. Yeah, it was. I think the um was it against Leeds was it Leeds where he hit not Leeds, was he? When he hit the bar. Newcastle. No, not that one, the other one where he hit the bar when he he'd scored. Oh, ball. from like thirty yards out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, someone like, again like when he's at, when he's had time and space. I mean, like I said there, <laughs> rogue derivative. Trinko goal is out to everything to everything Chikini did. Yeah, fair play because look, you said about the space, and I think he suffered. I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter earlier as well that playing him inverted when he's got no right foot whatsoever has been a detriment to him more than anyone else because he has to cut back inside every single time. And yeah, he's cutting in, in and getting shots off like Bruno wants. But when you've got no one overlapping, you're kind of blunted from an attack point of view, ain't you? And obviously, we'll come on to crosses into the box in a minute. But yeah, I think what we've seen, and yet he is, has been, he's incredibly soft and he's very Steve Corrick alike <laughs> with his um, physicality. And the fact that the size of the guy, you think, well, like I've said all season, just give, I wanted to sign him for just to get, get him toughened up like we did with Neto. Get him a pre-season, maybe get him a sleeve tattoo like Fabio has. And <laughs> see, we can, we can all get on the Trinco train. It's all here. <laughs> it's all ready. Well, I think it's, it's it's probably too late for him now. I mean, it, uh, to, I think it'll take a bit more more than a bit of protein powder to get him to get him gunning for 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 fullbacks. He's, he's, he just seems a bit tentative. I think. Yeah, I think he's he's probably he's what you call a, a mercurial player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. He's, I think he probably suits if we did go 4-2-3-1 he would suit that roaming role in the middle perfectly um, but again his lack of any kind of substance in his body weight has been his problem all season long and it's what pisses people off and I, I yeah I'm me, me praising him all year and wanting him to stay yeah fine but I do understand where everyone else is coming from because he does need to be a bit stronger and to be fair, once he scored, he seemed to have a bit about him. He seemed to put himself about and that second that, chance he had. Yeah. yeah second, that second chance was it doesn't show it on the, the if there's a replay from behind the goal, that was an incredible block. It was, it was going in. It was going in. Yeah. And it he would have perfectly deserved that goal as well. But yeah, I think it's probably come a bit too late to save him now. Yeah. <sighs> The, the the thing in the transfer market is the biggest thing with Trincao now because, you know, Barca have made their position pretty clear on on Traore and that was a big factor in whether you know Trincao was going to come and stay with us. Do do we need to spend that money on our defensive frailties because we're obviously not going to spunk a hundred million in this window? Is it better served as spending the money at the back and trying to work with what we've got at the front? in order for us to have success next season, do you think? I think we've got so much talent in attacking areas. You know, it, it feels like it's it's blindingly obvious to everyone apart from, you know, our management team to a certain extent that, you know, just having an extra forward in, in, in those areas will reap rewards. And mm-hmm. to a certain extent, I can understand why they don't necessarily trust our defence to um, play in the back four. There's a lack of pace there and stuff. But... I just think, you know, death by a thousand cuts. If we can, if we can put enough pressure on teams to stop them getting at our defence, mm-hmm. you know, with that attacking play, with holding on to the ball, with keeping possession, then you know, I, I, I just it, it really frustrates me that we have to go away and get points against teams like Chelsea, yeah, Liverpool, Man City in the last four games when we could have picked up points against worse teams like Burnley, Newcastle, Brighton, just by being better than them. You know, otherwise we've got to pull the rabbits out of hats. Let's just got Le- Leicester have done this for a while now, where they beat the bad teams. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they're having a very average season this year, but last year 
that any time you saw them come up against an average team, you saw you saw them scoring three or four goals, you know, on occasions, and you think, yeah, we should be doing that because we should be trusting our attacking talents to get us out of these situations. Um, mm. We need to give them a little bit more backup there. Yeah, I mean, one um, player that we need to talk about. Um... Chikini all. Um, obviously, he's impacting the game. Sensational. Um, why hasn't he been given more game time? Do we think, is it, um, you know, just the fact that he hasn't been here longer than some of the players? He hasn't got the trust yet of the manager. Do you think it's a case that now he, uh, you know, he's clearly had an impact so far? Is he like the second highest assister in the team or something <laughs> stupid like that now? Um, he has to start the next game, surely. Well, he's got three. He's joint top. He's got three. <laughs> it says it all. Mad, isn't it, that? I mean, every time he's come on, he's looked good. Which, mm. Again, like with, with, a bit with Fabio, yeah, managing your minutes. But how old is he? 22? And yeah, he's he's come from a, 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 a league that's not as good as the Premier League, obviously. But still, he seems to have adapted very well in his little cameo appearances. And mm. they couldn't live with him. He's, he, he looked, I know it's me slagging Troyer off again, but having someone cross into the box like that, but not just for the goal, he caused them, they were terrified of him. And he was, within minutes of coming on, him and Matinho doing little flicks to each other. You know, mm-hmm. for, for someone who's hardly played to have that confidence away at Chelsea, when, you, when you're already losing, you need to get something out of the game. Fair play to him. He's, I don't know where he's been all season. I, mean, I, I said that on certain other things that I was on, but he has to start. There's no, there's no other option. He has to start for me. And he, if that, if you have to put Huang on the other side, no, who knows? No, How, no, please. <laughs> I mean that where he rolled himself back on onto the pitch and then fell over when we would when we were chasing the game trying mm. to. Oh. It's a, you could do a whole layer on, on Huang and that whole situation. But, yeah, Chiquinho has to start now. Like we said, Chiquinho and Fabio now for the rest of the season. Don't care. They have to start. Mm-hmm. Really, any uh, advances on that? I, I fucking love this kid, man. I love him. Like, he's you know, talking about no bollocks FC. He's got enough to share around, hasn't he? <laughs> like, he's just absolutely fearless. He reminds me of Jota, like because he, he had a pair on him. He, he'd just take on anybody. You know, regardless of how shit he was playing, or he just what the first thought in his head is just be positive, do something that will impact mm-hmm. the game. And every time he comes onto the pitch, he just wants to impact and influence the game. And yeah, there's a rawness to his game, and he's a little bit, um, you know, maybe he's just a bit too in, intense. Maybe sometimes, and maybe he needs to take take a second at the time to do something. But every time he's played, we've been chasing the result, chasing the game. So. That 100 miles an hour kind of attitude is mm-hmm. really, really useful. I mean, the cross for the goal, the equaliser, absolute peach. And we yeah. haven't seen that quality of crossing at all this season. Um, the only thing I would say is, my, I mean, my brother made a good point to me. Um, he was at the game yesterday as well. There's probably no point in starting him if we're going to not have players in the box you know, to mm-hmm. attack the, the deliveries that are going to be coming in or, you know, players in the final third because then he'll probably just run down blind alleys, um, much like Triori might have done, you know, to a certain extent. But I just think again, going back to the point, players like Toti, players like Fabio, players like him, who's gonna gain the most from the remaining three games this season? Mm. It's them that you know, and I'm I'm there for them having every single minute that remains. Is it is it to their detriment that he happens to be against City and Liverpool? Well, you know, he threw Kundalin against Spurs. I know it's true. it's not exactly the same, but mm-hmm. even still, he's another one who, who'd benefit more. I mean, you look at him in the other 23s the other day and he was running the show. He was he's, he's so the, good at that level. The complete opposite of what he what he was at Newcastle where he was he was terrified. I mean, obviously, he didn't have much to pass to it as well, but which didn't help. But he probably played more forward passes in the first 10 minutes of that under 23s game than he did in the whole 90 minutes of St. James's. But yeah, he's another one. And how ridiculous Dendonka was at times. Um, but uh, he's another one. He's had his time here. He needs to go as well. But it is what it is. I think he, I think Kundal, show, Kundal playing has showed that he 
he's not really that bothered. And we tell to you as well, if the time is right, he'll play him. So yeah. I don't see what 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 harm it's going to do against Man City or whatever, just to put him in. Because mm. if we if we if, if, if you go <laughs> tried and trusted, you get the first 25, 30 minutes again, like we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we know exactly sure. what's going to happen there. So you might as well we freshen do. it up. We do. We do. One other um, performance I wanted to mention and get your thoughts on, um, you know, Cody with the, uh, with the equaliser, fantastic scenes in front of the travelling fans. Um, it's been a tough one for Cody in, in multiple ways, really. You know, we talk about the defensive frailties. Obviously, he's our captain and he's part of that as much as anybody else is. But when things are going right, it's always, okay, we're going to go four at the back. It's going to be, uh, you know, Kilman, and then it's all Highlander. It can only be one, and it's probably going to be Gomez, or we're going to bring somebody else in. And he's the first person that we talk to when when we talk about fight and, you know, the mentality to win, etc. And he said in his post-game um, comments, uh, interviews, he said, you know, we were hurt by the comments that we're already on the beach and stuff like that as well. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased he got the equaliser, to be fair, just to give him that moment to kind of, he'd be the reason that we equalised. But I know, where do you guys, uh, how much is this sentiment or how much is this actually he's still a you know, massively important player for us? Well, if we're going to move to a four, we've never seen him in a four, have we? Mm-hmm. So we don't really know. We, none of us five years ago thought he could play in, in defence at all, let alone in a back five. So who knows? I mean, when he's done that for England, yeah, it's against rubbish, but it, it's still international football and he still played well in a back mm-hmm. four. So if he's got someone commanding next to him, yeah, it'll be harsh on Kilman and everyone else. But we've got a bit of squad depth then. And if we've got someone I'm not saying... Someone like Ruben Diaz, obviously not him in that level, but someone of that stature, someone who's going to be commanding and equally as good as Cody, but a step up next to him. Mm-hmm. Then who's who's to say that he can't flourish there? We just we just don't know, and it would be incredibly harsh for, to take him out of the lineup. I mean, he's he's barely he's had a, a few off months, but how many off months has he had in the last five years? Mm-hmm. Not many at all. No, so, not at all. For me, he's he's worth a go at least to start with. I think that. The, the unknown quantity in this, bizarrely, is is what it's like without Cody, to be honest, because he plays so often, so consistently, that I don't know what our team would look like without Cody for, say, a run of three games. And, you know, you can, you can have your one-off cup matches and stuff like that, and, you know, there might be a slight difference, but you're not going to tell. I think with a player like him, with his influence and his organisational skills, all that, you're not going to tell really how much of a difference there'd be until he misses four or five games in a row maybe mm-hmm. um and I, I feel like he's become too important to the team to just ignore him if we do transition to a four and i think this season particularly he's kind of he's cut out those absolute stinkers that he used to have um he's even against brighton i don't think he was that bad uh, yeah everything else has fallen apart around him but he seemed to have a level of composure and maturity that kind of carried him through to an extent Mm-hmm. Um, now, you could argue that part of his job as captain is to kind of, you know, give give the troops a lift when things aren't going well for us. And yeah, we've been behind in so many games this season that you could argue that he hasn't necessarily done that. But mm-hmm. again, you're it's it's that fear of the unknown of if he's not there for an extended period of time. Yeah, you know, what would we do with that? I mean, we don't we had no idea really, did we? Yeah, exactly. Um, Stu, we've had a request in the comments for you here. Um, if it'll load for me, how do you sing the Chiquinho song that we posted? I'm gonna give us a little rendition, um, at all for us, Stu. What song is this? I was at the game, remember? I don't, oh, good. It's, it's um, Viva Ronaldo, is it? But it's Viva Chiquinho. I don't know the Viva Ronaldo song. Um, that the, the, oh. I don't know. I, I know that the, it's a Viva Ronaldo. That that's nonsense, eh? <laughs> but the real one is a cover of um, Cecilia by Suggs. Okay, which fits that perfectly. Is, but that is a niche bit of knowledge. It might be, it might be a niche reference, but it works, and you'll all be singing it tonight. Now, go on. <laughs> I need I need you to talk me through this. Does he just say Cecilia and we say Chiquinho? Like is that is that all it is? 
I'm not a songwriter, am I? I'm not. I'm not saying <laughs> someone else can do the work. I'm, I'm, I'm just putting the ideas out there. Okay, I'll go after you two. You're breaking my heart, whatever. Oh, I know the one you're on he's, about. He's yes, not breaking yes, hearts yes. right now. He's not breaking hearts. He's making them, mate. That's that's all I say. <laughs> I like it. Um, going back to the game, um, just to wrap up. Are there any other performances that you do want to highlight? I think because he's so consistent for us. Saw obviously we don't we haven't you know got a got a fancy image for him or anything like that, but he kept us in the game with some smart saves as he always does. Stu, I will give you credit where credit is due. You have been on the Saw train from the very very start. Um, four years. Four years. Yeah, well, some... when we got promoted, I I said on the on the the preview show I wanted before we signed Ruby, I wanted Jose Saw, and Ben shot me down. Look, he's right now, Ben. This, I mean, this sounds incredibly harsh, but has he got anywhere near any of the penalties that we've conceded? Because we keep Doesn't conceding matter. penalties, and I just wanted to, I wanted to save one. I'm just like, come on, Jose, like, just, just pull one out of the bag. He's like the, like the Portuguese Peter Shilton, eh? It's just never going to happen. <laughs> um, right. Well, we'll put that um, game to bed now. Um, looking ahead then to the midweek fixture um, against City. Um, it's one of those really, you know, you say that the season is dead and buried. It's not quite, it is, but it's not quite. City have obviously got the league still to play for and, and have to pretty much go. I know Liverpool drew at the weekend, but um, they really still have to go pretty much win every game. I don't think Liverpool will lose one at this point. Um, how do you think, you know, you mentioned, you know, you bleed the youth in, which is fine but City are going to come out all guns blazing. But this is the exact kind of game where we flour- we flourish. Um, what do you think, you know, briefly, how, how this game will go? Have we got a chance against the, you know, the champions-elect? We could have we could have got something up there if we hadn't been cheated out of it all. <laughs> but, I mean, Kilman could have say could have, could have won us a point in the last minute at the Etihad. So, they're not... Out of, the, out of the two of them, the City are the ones that you, even though they've won, was it 5 0 to that today? Against the greatest the ones, Eddie Howe side in history. Yeah, they're the ones who, if you get them on the right day, then you can get something out of, as we have done in the past. It's sort of, it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be in the realms of possibility to happen. But they've shown time and time again, when people do run at them, they don't like it, which is why. I was kind of tense with Chiquinho just for that reason. And yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the bodies in the box is an issue as it has been all season. Um, and I presume that we're not going to do that and we'll be quite defensive and we'll try and pick pick our battles when and where. But I'm not going to say we're going to get battered and we're not going to automatically lose because we've beaten them before more a handful of times. So who knows? I, mm. I think I think at their place, if we kept eleven men on the pitch, I think we'd have won. Um, just because they look so average, but unfortunately, we, we have a scarecrow up top at the moment, uh, basically. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I I was really hoping that they'd be rattled by the whole Champions League um, mm. knockout, and <laughs> unfortunately, they, they seem to have a really easy game today. Um, so they might have kind of knocked that out of their system, but. Which proven time and time again, we're a bit of a kryptonite to these some of these bigger sides. And mm-hmm. it, I, I mean, I've, I've thought this all along. You know, if Liverpool had to pick a team they, you know, wanted to play in the last game of the season, it wouldn't have been us. If Man City, you know, had to go away and win a game to you know to kind of extend their lead, they wouldn't choose to play Wolves um, just because there are far easier games for them in this league. And I'll kind of hang on to that a little bit. But like you say. The tried and tested, it, it worries you a little bit that there's going to mm-hmm. be something rash again. And there's no, again, there's no reason for us not to freshen things up and blood those players into what we expect of them, you know, with a view to them starting games next season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so moving on, well, just before we go into um, Twitter Corner, there is um, a couple of games um, for the other um, Wolves squads that are going on over the next week. Um, so uh, Wolves women are up against that horrible lot up the road in the Birmingham County Cup final, I think it is. 
um, on the 11th, on, on the Wednesday. It is the same time as the City game, which is an unfortunate um, an unfortunate timing. Um, but if you are uh, available for the game and you're going to be at the Banks, so if you're um, from that part of the world and you wanted to see Wolves winning in the cup final against uh, the shit, then by absolutely um, check them out and give them your support. The under-23s are also in the Premier League Cup, is it? I think it's called. Um, also against the Albion um, at the Hawthorns on Friday evening. I believe the allocation for the away tickets has already sold out for that. Um, so I don't know how or you know how this works really. Can you know the allocation be? You know, it will only be for a small portion of the ground, and I'm sure Albion have only been given us one stand, maybe or something like that. Um, under 23 football against. Um, Against the Albion Stew, have you ever encountered that before? Is it is it ever did it ever have any of the bite of the um, of the senior fixture? Not in the well. I don't watch many under twenty three games anyway. I'll, I'll watch them if I'm around and I can. Um, but I went to like back in the day when they used to have the reserves at Molyneux. There was a, the, it, <laughs> it did kick off a few times against Albion when we when we played them. Because they'd have like a, they'd have like twenty or so fans that'd come and watch, and it, it would it wouldn't be on the realm's possibility for it to kick off there. And it happened a handful of times fighting over mm. the bovrels. Um, but it's it's any game against them, like it's it's inbred into every team that we've got. So it'll be even the esports lads will get it eventually. They'll understand. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I mean, to, to both teams, I mean, Wolves women clearly having a really great season. Under 23s, when I've watched them recently, been scintillating football to watch. And mm-hmm. I feel like they've kind of carried the can for the club while the first team has been terrible. <laughs> uh, when we've been, you know, watching the games on YouTube, you know, in terms of entertainment and attacking football on offer, really, really enjoyable. And it's a good sign of the overall health of the club that, you know, the kind of the sideshows are doing so well. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll move on to Twitter corner then to wrap up. So we've only got a couple here today that we're going to show in the um, in the graphics. So firstly, Rob Cartwright, uh, if we switch to a back four, what would be your preferred formation? Who plays in what position from the current squad and who would you like to come in to fill the gaps? Stu, formation wise, what would you like to see? Um, and are there any people that are an absolute cert in certain positions in that four at the back? Uh, I think like what like we just talked about. I think you got Cody and then one other, um, at least to start with, just to see, just to see how he deals with it. I mean, if you bring in a superstar defender in, we've got more than enough to kind of see which one plays with him best. Um, I'd go, I'd go Kenny Jackie four two three one. Bring it mm-hmm. back. Who are Michael Jacobs would be? That's anyone's guess. I mean, it, it could be Gibbs White. He could play there, but the majority of the time at Sheffield. United, he's played wide, which we all said, "Oh, we can't. He can't possibly play there. It's not his position." But it's one of them. He's had it. If it, like we've said over and over again, if it wasn't him, and it was just someone than an English under twenty three, under twenty one player ripping up the championship, winning Player of the Year, we'd be clamouring over him, wouldn't we? So, if we've got him coming back in the summer, he can go on one of the one of the wide positions. He could have a. Fr- a fluid front, a fluid three, couldn't you behind it? You could mix it up. It gives you options, and you got someone in a ten position to actually get in the box as well. Mm-hmm. Like Gully said, we've got actually got players who could actually play that <laughs> from a forward point of view. It's just the defence, and mm-hmm. again, midfield. So, where hear me out. Let me let me reel it off for you. Sign goal, Samedo, Cody, Kilman, Johnny at the back. Neves, Matinho in front of him. Gibbs White, Pedence, either or right wing or number 10. Neto wide left, Fabio up top. That sounds exciting to me. Yeah. And then Foson don't, don't need to spend a penny. <laughs> don't need to spend a penny. Try that against Norwich. They're going to cite this podcast in their transfer dealings at the exactly. end of the transfer this, window, aren't they? Is, we, 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 heard, we heard the fans wanted this, so we're going to give the fans what they want. <laughs> you know what's going to happen now? We, the, the people are going to blame us, thinking that we know what's going on again. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're just a mouthpiece for Fausten. So we have to put pictures of Vinny the criminal out again to kind of counterbalance it all. <laughs> but we never knew about any bus stuff at the club. Just no, 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 we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> 
Um, King Wolf 84, two Wolves players in Connor Ronan and Morgan Gibbs White have been getting rave reviews and player of the season awards from the clubs they are on loan to. What does the future hold for them? Personally, for him, uh, sell uh, Ronan and keep Morgan Gibbs White. Thoughts on that one, Gully? Um, obviously, Morgan Gibbs White, especially, is getting headlines for absolutely tearing it up for Sheffield United, but we've seen this before. Um, and then the second he puts on the old gold, it doesn't quite go the way. Some would argue, actually, he's never played in the position that he shines in anywhere else. Um, what do you think with those two players? Is it their opportunity? And is it the final opportunity for Morgan Gibbs-White to, to flourish in Wolves colours? You'd probably say so. I mean, I feel like it'd be quite cruel on Conor Ronan to keep uh, kind of putting him out on loan now. I guess he's... <laughs> He's played his way into, I don't know, someone like Celtic or Rangers potentially taking him because he's done so well mm-hmm. in the SPL and, and and finding a home there. And to be fair, that's a really good move for him, I think. Um, so maybe we uh, coerce one of them to put in uh, a £5 million bid and, yeah, you probably could be quite pleased with that. Uh, for Morgan, I I mean, people, I've seen people throwing around figures like £20 million quid, you know, and, and snapping people's hands off for it. While I appreciate that would probably a nice be a nice offer, I don't see the reinvestment of that money for a like for like replacement going well. So I'd like to see him come back and play because I think he's got a lot to offer. Hmm. Fair, fair. Stu, final thoughts on uh, Morgan Gibbs White in terms of what he can do. Does he come straight back in next season, straight into the eleven, or at least in the squad? Um, or actually, you know, if we were offered a good sum of money for him. Bearing in mind we're on a sell-to-buy potential outlook, what do you do? Well, if he comes back in pre-season and, and plays the way he has for them, then we ain't going to get a player, like we said, we ain't going to get a player of that ilk for 20 million, am we? It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think, and people say, oh, it's only the championship. It was only the championship for Mason Mount as well. Then he went straight into a Chelsea side that got into... Was on an amazing run of the Lampard, so it works. It, people use the championship thing as an argument for either side of it. Mm-hmm. If you want to use it as a, as a good league to develop and have a good run of games, at last, hardly hampered by injury, which has been one of his problems as well. Fine, give it. He comes back. I'd put him straight in the team. You, why, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? If if he was in the team that we got promoted with. Playing the way he is, he'd be on the team sheet, wouldn't he? So, what's the difference? Mm, true, true. Um, finally, then, very own Richard Hobbs. With the Commonwealth Games around the corner, which Wolves players would you have competing in more niche events? Mm. It's a, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go out and research what kind of events actually go on at Commonwealth Games, but. I it's assume it's Olymp- just Olympic standard, is it? The Olymp- the, kind of the Olympic Games, I guess. I'm at a loss. I'm at a bit of a loss. Um, I don't know. Jose Sile rides a bike. Is it like a BMX competition or something? I feel like there might be a BMX. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think as time has gone on, I think they've tried to introduce like skateboarding and BMX yeah. stuff like that. And he just seem like our resident radical <laughs> dude, as I'm sure he sees himself. Yeah, um, you know, I, I know he's not got the, the build for it, but the way that, you know, Seth does like to grab onto a man and just pull them down at all costs. That, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's essentially sumo wrestling, just yeah, you know, the physique for it. So, something like that. But, Stu, any take on that? Is there any, any, is there any players you think may excel in another field? I mean, we, we could stretch this a little bit and say, no, George Yadikov is retired after 19 years as a pro. Put him, get him back in, in the shot put team. You, you wouldn't want to argue with him, would you? No, you wouldn't. You absolutely he scored on his final game. I was going to say, he did. He scored on his final game. So that's um, a nice send off for him as well. I remember when he had, when he had like that um, an appearance at Molyneux and he, he, like, he, he did like a like, full lap of honour that went yeah. on into the second half. <laughs> he walked around the whole of the, of the, of the stadium. It was hilarious. But there we go. So um, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in today, whether that has been on YouTube and Twitter Live or uh, whether you listen to this in the week. We really appreciate your support. Thank you very much to Pixel Yeti Media and to 90min.com as well for their support. 
And if you uh, want to check out our socials, um, please do. Wolves Fancast on the social media. Um, Gully, he has a fantastic series um, of his tactical analysis, which is really in-depth and explains in a lot more detail than I can about how we've played and the tactical side of things. Um, we have our uh, player, um, sorry, our game previews as well. And in the closed season, we are in negotiations about what kind of content that we're going to be doing as well, bringing back a couple of old favourites like Filmcast, mental health episodes as well, stories from the pack. There's going to be a lot going on in the closed season as well. So make sure that you're subscribed and have your notifications on to get all the information about that. But for now, Stu, if you want to say goodbye. Yes. Enjoy your week, everyone. Goodbye. Gully, if you want to say goodbye. Why why is it funny when Steve says something like that? I didn't say anything wrong then. You know what? I think it's you know what? You know what? No, I'm I'm gonna shield cage fight you now. Gully, you you've bought this on yourself. If you wanna go if you wanna go and listen to three ball blokes from Wolverhams and talk about films and argue with each other about Marvel. Go over and find us over a cage fighting pod. To be fair, you're being quite cruel to yourself there because I can see a little bit sprouting on top at the moment. Yeah, but the reason why I show it because there's nothing there. Look, (laughs) there's always turkey. (laughs) (laughs) The thing thing is, she's like being completely sincere when he's like, "Bye, everybody, have a great week." He's being sincere. He just sounds hilarious coming from Stu. That's all. I can can feel this beer machine as well if you want. (laughs) you've had too many of them pal Uh, thank you everybody and uh, have a great week and we'll see you um, after uh, after the City game take it easy it would be a Wolves fan eh It takes years to build a business that sustains a family and is worth passing on. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work closely with clients to provide the financing, cash management, and deposit products necessary to grow a business. So your life's work will continue to prosper once it's in someone else's hands. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.